Welcome to the Treach Podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and today my special guest is our child care coordinator and my sister, Stephanie Pippett. Stephanie opens up about her struggle with parenting fatigue and burnout, the guilt that comes with it, and what she's learning about the pressures of parenting. She participated in our virtual roundtable about burnout, and you can watch it and get additional mental health resources at tmumc.org wellness. All right, sister. My first question for you. I know you're very nervous. <laughs> Why do you think so many parents are experiencing burnout right now? I mean, I, w- I would just go with the obvious that we've had a lot of together time in the past year. And just a lot of time with kids means a lot of time with asking incessant questions and needing thing after thing after thing. And it just feels like parents don't get a break. And especially with the past year when there have been moments that we weren't able to go on a weekend getaway or go out to eat with a friend or go get coffee. I think that has caused parents to feel kind of shut in, which has led to burnout at least in my situation, and I'm assuming in others. Well, and I think it's hard because I'm not a parent, but when I watch, like, the Today Show and they have celebrities come on talking about their past year, one of the things they almost always say is, you know, it's been so great that we get to be together. And I think that it's not just on things like that, but on social media and the way that parents portray themselves, does it make you feel like, okay, what am I missing? I think social media can be really hard for parents because there's just this constant comparison or judgment. Um, I mean, I can't say that that I haven't enjoyed spending time with my kids because there have been moments that it has been really nice that we've all been home together. But there have also been moments that have been really hard. And those are the moments that people don't talk about, and especially not on social media. They're not going to talk about the bad moments. They're going to talk about the fun things, which I've done too. But So what are some of the bad moments that you've experienced that you're like, you know what, maybe other parents have experienced this too? Um... For me, dealing with burnout in the past year, I've I've lost my temper on several occasions. I've lost my patience. Um, I get upset with the kids for really just being kids. I forget that they're four and seven and want them to act like adults and handle things like adults would. And I have to remind myself that they're children and that they're having a hard year just like I'm having a hard year. and um, But they haven't developed the coping skills or the understanding yet right. to understand what's happening. Right. And so there's, there's those moments at home that there has been yelling in our house. And um, there have also been moments that I've just been lazy. I, I let the kids do things that I wouldn't b- before because I'm just tired. <laughs> So when did you first start to notice that you were experiencing parenting fatigue? And what were some of those warning signs? I don't know that I noticed it until 
I think I, I expressed that I was tired and I expressed that I didn't want to play. I had lost the desire to play with the kids, which I had always thought was so important. And I still do. I think it's important to play with your kids, but I don't want to. Um, and so I was able to express all of that, but I don't know that I labeled it as parenting burnout until you asked me to be on the really? burnout roundtable. That, <laughs> that was just a month ago. Yeah. And look how far and, you've come. And I thought, well, I'm just tired. I'm just tired and I, you know, I just don't always want to play all the time. And then I started looking up what is parenting burnout and realizing, oh, I guess that is what it is. But I hadn't put that label on it. Um, So I think a lot of parents have felt that way and maybe just don't understand that it is a thing. Um, And also maybe you need permission to feel that. Yeah. And someone – because – before you realized that, oh, man, I'm experiencing textbook burnout, did you feel bad or guilty about that feeling of, why don't I want to play with my kids? You feel really guilty. And I don't think that recognizing it as parenting burnout takes that guilt away. I think you feel guilty because for me – um my four-year-old is constantly asking to play. And so it's not me just lacking the desire to play. It's me over and over again having to say, no, 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 I don't want to. I'm doing this now. You know, it's every time he asks and every time I say no, it's like gut-wrenching. But at the same time, not to the point that, I want to do it still. I want to go play on the floor. Mm. So, and sometimes I wonder, not to say like thinking back to a better time, but because it wasn't, but looking back on parenting in the 30s and 40s and things like that, where like, were they worried at all about not getting enough playtime with their kids? We put so much pressure on themselves, and there has to be a balance in there. Why, where do you think that pressure comes from of feeling this overwhelming guilt that I'm not living up to these expectations? Like, why do we put that pressure on ourselves? I don't know. I think for me, I was a psychology major and so, and I worked with early education. And so I know the importance of quality time, one-on-one time with kids. And I know that it's good for their brain development. And I learned all of these things. And so I put all this pressure on myself of, I need, I need to be playing with them. I need to have one-on-one time. I need to read to them. I need to allow them to have social interactions with others. I know all the things that they should be doing. I know how much sleep they should get. I know what kind of nutrition they should have. And I put all this pressure on because of what I've learned. It's and kind other, of like the know better, do better right. mentality. And and anybody could Google or find a parenting app and see all the same stuff. And so we are researching and we know what the kids need and we're putting all this pressure on ourselves to do it. But I saw a friend posted the other day and I thought this was really um helpful for me. It said, the fact that you worry about being a good mom means you already are one. (laughs) And I thought that was cool because we worry so much that we're not good enough, but just the fact that we're 
that we care that we might not be good enough or we might not be exactly what they mean or need means that we do care. Mm-hmm. You know, we are good at parenting and we can't be perfect every minute of every day. And I know that for you, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a real struggle making decisions for your kids because you were worried every decision I make, how is this going to impact the rest of their lives? How is this going to impact their social and intellectual development? And I know like there were times that you were in tears thinking about pulling Sarah out of school because mm-hmm. of health concerns and safety. Um has your attitude towards that changed of every little decision that you make isn't going to affect them for the rest of their lives? Or do you still sometimes get caught up in, okay, I can't make any wrong moves? Um, I don't know that I I think about it in like ruining their lives kind of way, but I do really think about every decision I make for the kids. And, um, you know, obviously I want to do what will help them the most. And in the past year, we've had to make some difficult decisions that have been really hard. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wonder about, because like I said, I'm not a parent, but this is something that I know contributes to my burnout is decision fatigue Mm -hmm. and having to make over the past year, each of us has had to make so many big decisions about how we're going to interact with the world, how we're going to interact in the office, how we're like physically taking care of ourselves. Do you think that all of the big decisions that you had to make contributed to your burnout? I mean, in a way, yes. I think I think mostly what led to my burnout is if you think back to March of 2020 when all this hit, it was very sudden and everything stopped. We lost the ability to go to school. My daughter had a solo and um, good like a lot of speaking parts in an Annie production that was canceled. Swim lessons were canceled. Play dates were canceled. Everything was canceled, and there was so much disappointment that I took it upon myself to make their lives feel normal. And so I was trying to be everything. I was trying to be the teacher and the playmate and still the mom and keep the house clean and plan fun activities for them to do in our house or outside of our house um, that were socially distanced. I put all this pressure on myself And um, I think it was in May of 2020, there was a really famous um, author and public speaker who came out with this video where she basically reminded parents, this is a pandemic and um, this is hard. There's no parenting handbook for this. And it is okay if your kids watch a little more TV. It is okay if your kids don't finish their math homework. It is okay if they're not eating all of their fruits and vegetables every single day. Quit worrying about the little stuff. This is a pandemic. And so when I watched that video, it was so freeing for me to kind of take a breath and realize other parents are struggling too. This is a pandemic. I need to calm down. I can't be everything to everyone. But then I went from doing everything and being everything to using that as an excuse. It's a pandemic they can watch TV. 
They can have more candy. They can have, I don't know, any. I, I lost the ability to fight for all of these things that I had found important before. Discipline, food, nutrition. Sleep was still important because that's when I had my me time. <laughs> so they went to sleep. But, um, but yeah, I went from one extreme of trying to be everything to the other extreme of this is a pandemic. It's hard. We don't need to do and be everything. And then nine months later, <laughs> it's hard to get out of that mindset. Did it change the vibe and the attitude of the household when you shifted from one extreme to the other? I think it, I mean, it kind of made for a lazy environment. We had a lot, I've always been really careful about screen time. Like, the most they watched was maybe two hours a day. And there were times during the pandemic that we've had the TV on almost all day. And it's just laziness on my part because it's easier to do that than to have constant, will you play with me? Will you play with me? Or arguing between the siblings. Um, And so any parent knows that when you allow... Or teacher, when I was teaching, you could see this too. When you allow kids to do things, it's hard to rein them back in. And so our problem now that we're having is they got used to being able to watch TV all day or being able to have candy three or four times a day, which to some parents is normal. But to me, like, I don't let them have much sugar. Um And so now we're working on reining all of that back in because it got to be too much. We became kind of a lazy household. Well, and the thing that struck me about what you said earlier when you watched this video and you kind of shifted to what you call lazy parenting, I don't call it that because I have watched you parent and I don't think anything about the way you parent is lazy, even if you feel like it is. Yeah, but to be fair, parents act different when they're not in front of other people. Even though you're my sister, there, I am a lot more lazy at home than I am around people. So. I'll keep an eye on you. <laughs> No, but what I was going to say is that video helped you realize, oh, other parents are struggling too. Mm -hmm. Did it not occur to you before that moment that other parents were struggling in the same way you were? I don't think so. Um, And that was really helpful too when Denton ISD sent out um, a month ago an invitation to a parenting fatigue workshop. It was again, oh, I'm not alone in this. But I, going back to what we talked about earlier, I think the problem is social media because you see all these great things that other parents are doing and it makes you, it just makes you feel like I'm the only one here who is in a pit, you know? And I too was posting great things that we were doing on Facebook or Instagram. Like, I'm not going to post the bad moments. I'm going to post the good moments. Um, What would it be like if you did post all of it, the good moments and the bad moments? What would happen? I mean, it would, I would, it would be very vulnerable. And I'm sure that a lot of other people would just kind of be like, thank you for sharing, or I feel that way too. 
Um, and I know several friends who I've talked to who do feel that way, and some have posted the bad stuff, and it does make me feel better. But there's this vulnerability that comes with that that, I don't know, I just, I haven't posted the bad stuff. <laughs> what it what is the fear that comes with that vulnerability? What are you afraid will happen? I don't know. Just, I mean, I guess judgment would be the biggest fear. Um, and you try to keep appearances. And when you post something, it proves that you're not living up to your expectation or or what you've already set as how you parent, you know? So through all of this, who is the person or the people that you turn to for support and advice? Um, my husband has been really helpful and he is working full time from home. Um, and he has talked to me about how he recognizes that the job that I'm doing is very difficult being with the kids most of the time. And he's very good about taking them to the playground or going outside to scooter with them um, after he's done with work so that I can have a little bit of a break. But um, I also talk to family about how I'm feeling um, just to kind of vent (laughs) a little bit about how my day was. And also I have some friends and coworkers with kids a little bit older that I can text and just say, is this normal? (laughs) Or, um, you know, are your kids acting this way? Because mine are being awful or, you know, I can be honest with, with those, those people. Mm -hmm. I, I think I have a good support system. So through all of this, you know, you have your support system, you have, you, you're active, an active learner. So you're always looking for uh, new ways to be a better parent, to improve your parenting. What have you learned about your kids over the past year? As you're experiencing burnout and you're shifting, you mentioned, you know, they're going through this too. Mm-hmm. What are some of the emotional roller coasters that you've experienced over the past year and how have you seen your kids deal with the pandemic? I think, um, I think we've seen this kind of collectively. Kids are so resilient and sometimes my daughter handles things better than I do, to be honest. Um, she, she is a very optimistic person and she, if anything, disappointing happens she'll very quickly say well at least we get to do this or at least people are safe or she'll think of the good in that moment so I've seen that through her but has she always been that way or did this bring that out of her because there was constant disappointment in the last year of things you thought would happen aren't happening I think she's always been an optimist but maybe we didn't notice it as much and then this year we're like wow She's, she's handling these things amazingly well. Um, and we've seen that in schools, too. Teachers have posted, like, these kids are handling the constant mask wearing 
so well. So much better than us adults. They are. <laughs> like, they're not complaining. They're just happy to be around their friends. They don't care if they have to wear the masks. Like, yes, it's hard. And, yes, they want to take them off at the end of the day. But um, they're pretty resilient. Um so that's what I've noticed. What about I'm trying baby to John? think about I'm trying to think about John. Um I all I can say about him is that I've noticed this year how much energy he has. <laughs> he has a lot of energy and it's I love him very much, but it is exhausting at times. Like the jumping off the walls and the literally jumping all over the couch. And But let me say one of the things I've noticed about him, which is interesting, and it kind of goes back to the resilience that uh, over the past year, I mean, he's at an age where socialization is so important. Mm -hmm. And he would have been in preschool at this time, which you decided to push off a year, and he will be starting preschool. But I know that you were really worried about him not building the social skills that he needed because it was basically just him with you and Alex and Sarah Mm -hmm. for an entire year with no play dates, no activities, no way to socially interact outside of the family. But what I've seen, even in the past couple of weeks, is him walking up to Julie and saying, hey, how are Avery and Aspen doing? (laughs) Or sitting down with me at lunch and asking me about my friends and saying, how are your friends Lee and Lexi? Are they doing okay? And having a four-year-old boy having really grown-up conversations and looking to connect with people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that came from or how that developed over a year of isolation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see once he starts having the play dates and the preschool back and all of that, how he interacts with his peers. Um, but I agree. I mean, he has done a really good job of, of keeping up that communication. And I'm, I'm curious to see how his play skills and social skills are with other kids his age because, you know, Uh, Preschool, a lot of preschool is learning about sharing and treating others kindly, and he hasn't gotten to practice any of those things besides with his sister, and it's just different (laughs) with siblings. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be, but we'll see. (laughs) Well, and we've hit on the burnout, the worries, the stresses of parenting at all times, but under a microscope over the past year. What do you do to take care of your mental health? Um, I, I'm not, I have to be honest and say I'm not great at taking care of my mental health. Um, I mean, the, the best thing I'm doing right now is just taking that time out in the evenings when my husband can be with the kids. And before burnout, I... I always wanted us to all be together, to have that family time. And I still think family time is important, but me kind of going off on my own is a mental health break for me. Um, And then maintaining bedtimes for our kids, even in the summer, we do pretty early bedtimes. And that is so that we can have 
two or three hours of just like relaxation time and I can read a book or play Candy Crush on my phone or watch a movie or, you know. Do a puzzle. It's time. I never understood. Yes, I love puzzles. Um, it's time for, it's a time for me. And so that's, that's what I've been doing for mental health. But I, I don't know. I feel like I could do more. I could try to go for a walk or. But Why that, don't you? But that takes energy and effort. <laughs> I don't know. I just. What if you had a partner to do it with you? I might. To me, it's more enjoyable to sit and read a book than go for a walk. Um, but I think also, this sounds awful, but exercising for a parent, like, and this is completely an excuse on my part, but I've always seen it this way. It's not just a 30-minute walk or an hour-long exercise class. It's getting ready ahead of time going and doing, coming home, having to shower, and then, like, refocus back into parenting. And having someone take care of your kids And having time. someone who can watch the kids. And so, I don't know, saying it out loud sounds like a lot of excuses to not go do those things, but in my head, I'm just like, eh, it's easier to not, you know? It's easier to just get my book and go into the other room. Which I also love doing. <laughs> well, and I think that's okay. Yeah. Like, of course, exercise is good. And in the long term, probably need to exercise every I now and I keep saying then. I'll start exercising <laughs> again when they're both in school full time. Mm. We'll see. Well, well now see it's uh, on record. So <laughs> we'll check in on you. So you mentioned this parenting fatigue seminar and mm-hmm. how helpful it was for you what are some of the things that you learned from that seminar that you really think all parents should know? Um, so one thing they talked about was good enough parenting and just this idea that we all, we all want to be like the superhero parents and be the best at everything and, you know, the kids look up to us and idolize us almost. Um but we can't be that. And especially in the past year, we can't step up and be everything to them that they've had taken away this past year. And so it talked about good enough parenting where, you know, spending the time that you can with them, having some moments of quality time, um, and really, like, caring for their needs, the basics – good enough parenting, not having to go above and beyond and be everything. And there are moments that you can do that, but you can't do that all day, every day for your whole life. Um, Another thing that they talked about was, I had never heard this. I thought this was interesting. They talked about thinking about yourself or your parenting as like a bank account. And there's constant withdrawals from this bank account. I need this. I need that. Can you refill my water? I'm hungry. Can you play with me? There's constant needs and withdrawals. And they talked about you need to remember to make deposits into your bank account. What would that look like? So they talked about that. They said um, things that you need, things that you should be depositing into yourself to be a better parent are good nutrition, which... Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, over COVID. I think that's been hard for everybody. Um, Self-compassion, just, I don't know, giving yourself a little bit bit of a break and recognizing the good that you are doing. Um, Gratitude, they suggested making a list of the things that you're grateful for and thankful for. Sleep, which has been a struggle for me during the past year. Emotional support and exercise, which we've already talked about. (laughs) Man, those bookends. Eat right and exercise. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) Um, But I just thought that was an interesting analogy. I had never heard that before of a bank account having all these withdrawals and you need to remember to deposit into it as well. Um, And then another thing they they talked about that I thought was interesting was um, they just – said, remember to breathe. And I know that goes kind of along any mental health issue is remember to breathe, practice your breathing. But they said specifically with parenting that our calm helps our kids. Mm -hmm. If we are frantic and stressed and, you know, yelling, they feel that tension and, um, it makes them feel some of those things. But if we can just take a breath and stay calm, that can be helpful to our kids. Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because Chris Robinson, also known as our father, <laughs> uh, did a mindfulness practice for us at the beginning of this series. And it was all about breathing and taking a moment to take a five-second breath in and a five-second breath out. Mm -hmm. And he specifically talked about, this is something I tell parents to do with their children, is if their their kid is throwing a temper tantrum, if their kid is stressed out, focus on yourself, regulate yourself. And he Mm -hmm. says what he tells them to do is don't say anything. Sit next to your child and just regulate your breathing and breathe Mm -hmm. in for five seconds, out for five seconds, and start to create a pattern like maybe tapping on your leg mm-hmm. to act as a metronome to your breathing. And he said, it's shocking. It Your self-regulation and focusing on yourself, and it's kind of like what you said in the round table of you have to put your own mask on first yeah. on an airplane before you assist the person next to you. Right. But regulating yourself with that breathing is a simple exercise that calms your child down. Mm-hmm. So another plug. If y'all want to check out that mindfulness <laughs> practice video, everything is at tmumc.org slash wellness. And there's some great breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that I've been working on too over this, you know, past month of, it's so ironic, putting together all of the mental health elements I have developed anxiety (laughs) around preparing for this mental health series because I care about it Mm -hmm. so much. And I've put so much work into it and coordinating all the people. And I'm so grateful that the church is doing this and we're able to do it. But it was a lot of work and I've become very anxious and it feels like a ball of energy in my chest. And so I've kind of taken the advice of the people who we have brought in to talk Mm -hmm. to us about mental health of like every now and then I just have to stop and breathe and remind myself that I'm not in control. I don't Mm -hmm. have to be in control of everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess this podcast is now about me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reminder. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) So in that parenting fatigue seminar, 
What are some of the new things that you're doing now as a result of that? Oh, um, <laughs> I am really good at listening and taking notes, but not really good at the follow through. Well, <laughs> so, but one of the things that you told me is the family conversation around the dinner table. Oh, that's changed. true. That is something. So they t- we've always done at dinner our best and worst thing, but they talked about having moments you know, which kind of goes along with the good enough parenting moments of quality time where you're having conversations and they feel comfortable coming to you. And dinner is the perfect time to do that. And they talked about instead of doing best and worst thing, doing something called high low buffalo. And you share your high for the day and your low for the day. And the buffalo is just kind of a silly way to share whatever you want or something silly that happened that day. And it has been interesting. We've done it a few times with the kids and they have shared a lot more when we have that buffalo. Buffalo is kind of a fun word to say anyway, but we have that buffalo that they can just say, oh, this happened at recess. It wasn't a high. It wasn't a low, but let me tell you about something it. Something interesting happened yes, today. <laughs> yes, something happened. And it's funny, um, especially with John, the four-year-old, he that moment that it is his turn and all eyes are on him you can just see how special it is to him that everyone's looking at me i can say whatever i want this is my time and they care about what i'm gonna say um so that that has been fun to see we kind of did that before but the the high low buffalo has been a little bit different um And then I will say, I kind of said this in the round table too. I think for me also, as it's been getting warmer out and we've been able to go out and play outside and um, we were very careful in the past year and actually weren't even playing with the neighborhood kids much because we were kind of trying to stay to ourselves and, you know, make sure that nothing was passed from person to person. But now, um, we are feeling more comfortable. The kids are, or my daughter's in school. So we've been playing with the neighborhood kids. We've been outside a lot and that has helped so much just to kind of like get out. Um, We're starting classes up for the kids. It feels like the end is in sight. Like we've got school going, we've got swim lessons going, we've got the kids signed up for camps this summer and Ninja Warrior and gymnastics and there's all these things that we're starting to do again, and it feels like, I don't know, so refreshing that life is getting back to normal, and I love having a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so nice to have things on the calendar. It was really hard for me, who's such a scheduled person, to have everything off the calendar. Well, and also, you know, I don't think that you realize how important – breaks and segmenting out your day is Mm -hmm. until you don't have that anymore like it makes everything feel so much longer and overwhelming and how do I fill this time not that you we want you to over schedule like we don't want to go to extremes here and now all of a sudden you're doing something every single day and the kids no longer have like just figure out right playtime you know sort of thing but hopefully that will help with your burnout of there's something to look forward to every day. Exactly. And even, I mean, even the kids, you can see it. Like today, um, John was just asking, excuse me, John was just asking, um, 
you know, how many days till my swim lesson? And I'm like, well, I two more days till your swim lesson. How many days till my Ninja Warrior class? Three more days till your Ninja Warrior class. And he's excited and he's looking forward to it. Whereas before, there was nothing. There was nothing that they could ask about when do we get to do this? When do we get to do that? Except for when are you going to play with me? Yes, when will it you was, play with it me? It was when will you play with me? Nobody will play with me. How come nobody wants to play with me? And and so now having those other activities is so nice. <laughs> so do you have any parting words for parents who are feeling the burnout, feeling fatigue, and maybe like you, they just need permission to feel those things? Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? I would just say you're not alone. And that was the best thing for me to hear and see over the past several months is you're not the only parent that's feeling this way. There are a lot of parents out there that are feeling tired and it's okay to express those feelings. And it doesn't mean in any way whatsoever that you don't love your kids with everything that you have. It just means that you're having a moment of exhaustion (laughs) and it gets better when you can talk about it. Thank you for joining me on this podcast episode today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are we still recording? Yes. I did not force her to do this, everybody. I promise. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode. And special thanks to Steph for joining me. Keep up with all of our mental health resources and events at tmumc.org slash wellness.